As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 237. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you're finding some value and dose of leadership. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a regular, again, thank you for all your support. This is the show where we highlight leadership. We talk about it. Why? Because it's for all of us. It's central to everything that we do. All of us are called to leadership at some time in our lives. And you heard me say it before, how well you lead is ultimately going to determine how successful you're going to be. It's as simple as that. It is a truth. How well you lead or your leadership ability, how well you understand it, how well you apply it in your everyday life is ultimately going to determine how successful and how significant your life is going to be. So it's in our interest to do all we can about leadership. And this isn't about obtaining a position or not obtaining a title. It's about unselfishly adding value to everyone and everything. Adding value to somebody else's life, pouring your life into them, and not expecting anything in return is the cornerstone of the leadership we talk about here, and that is the number one way to become influential in your life. I try to live that mantra day in and day out. It's hard. It's in, it takes a tremendous amount of intentionality. If you're like me, I do fall into my selfish ways. I try not to. Intentionally thinking about how I can add value to everyone and everything, from my spouse to my kids to the people I come in contact with, to doing this show, to the interview, the people I interview, everything. It takes a tremendous amount of intentionality, and hopefully this show can help you in your journey along your way. If you're finding some value in this great free resource, please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review this show. It only takes a few minutes. If you've got an Apple device, iTunes works well, the podcast app, the free app. If you've got an Android device, Stitcher works well too. And By doing that, you help... Increase the visibility of this show so more and more people can find this show. This continues to grow by leaps and bounds, and it's all because of you and your support. And for that, I am internally grateful and appreciative because without you, the listener, I could not do this show. So, haven't released a lot of episodes recently, and I apologize for that. My life is increasingly busy, as I'm sure yours is too. I've picked up a few new coaching clients, and that is always good. And I enjoy coaching. 
And if you are looking for a coach or know somebody who's interested in a leadership coach, please send them my way. You can find out more at richardryerson.com. Doseofleadership.com, you can contact me as well. Just send me a quick email. Let me know you're interested. We can set up a free consultation. It takes about an hour. I'll take you through uh, the leadership coaching process and see if it's a good fit for you. If it's not, no big deal. But if it is, I'd be more than happy to talk to you and uh, and see if I could help in your leadership journey. Okay, great conversation today. I know I say that every time, but I love having great guests. And Joe Calloway is certainly fits that bill. I love Joe Calloway. I followed him, um, I don't know, I found him about a year ago. And um, kind of happenstance, we just, the stars lined up and we had a chance to uh, meet Joe and have him on the show. I just love his style. I love his his writings. He has written six books. Uh, his latest one is called Magnetic, The Art of Attracting Business. But he is a business author. He's a consultant. He's a speaker. And he's worked with the who's who of companies out there. I mean, from Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Cadillac, American Express. He loves also working, and we talk a little bit about this, about small and mid-sized businesses, from franchisees, entrepreneurs. And uh, I just love his conversational style. This is You're going to love this conversation. He's just got a nice, authentic uh, core to him. Oh, there's so much I can say about Joe, but I'll just let you listen to his conversation or my conversation with Joe. Joe Calloway on Dose of Leadership. Joe, what an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Listen, it's an honor to be on the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been excited to talk to you, and I was so excited to um, see when you accepted this invitation. I've been a fan of your work for quite a long time. I'm always curious, particularly uh, guys like yourself, and how did you get passionate about leadership? You know, it's interesting, and, and it was really a process. I, I think I started off just really being very interested in business. Business just fascinates me, but over the years, in my early years, Richard, it's funny, I did a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of my work by far, and it would be big audiences of of supervisors or, gosh, telephone operators, all sorts of people. And I loved working with them. But over the years, little by little, what I, what caught my interest and what I ended up writing about and thinking about and talking about more and more was what is it that people in a leadership position can do that can improve improve the lot of the company, that can create value for customers, that can create quality work for employees. And I just really am fascinated by the leverage and the ability to to do some good things that people in leadership positions hold. And beyond that, you know, there's the idea that really everybody's a leader. As my buddy Mark Sanborn yeah. says, you, yep. you don't have to have a title to be a leader. So I just I just got caught by the potential, I think, of leadership, and uh, and that's where I am. Yeah, I love that. You said so many great things. You're absolutely right. I mean, even whenever I look back at my journey, too, and, of course, I cut my teeth in the in the Marine Corps where it was all about the people. But even, even going through all of that time in there in, in – it's only really been in the last, I would say, eight to ten years. I'm 47. And those last eight to ten years, has it start to become crystallized to me? And this is after I got out of the Marine Corps, that how much you can accomplish. Well, it all goes down to the people. And it's so cliche, mm-hmm. but what my, I guess my point is, is even somebody who's been a student of leadership, as I consider myself, it really didn't start to crystallize until 
I don't know. I, I was always focusing. I class myself as an ops guy, as the process, as the next yeah, thing. And yeah. even and that's okay, but it's still at the heart of it to, to make it effective and work. You got to you got to focus on the folks. That's true. And you know, part of my journey was, and over the last few years, I mentioned that I did so much work with big Fortune 500 yeah. audiences, and I still do a lot with big companies. But over the last few years, I've worked a lot more with smaller businesses, with owners and entrepreneurs and managers. And the cool thing about that is that unlike in some corporate environments, these folks can take an idea, go back to work, and start doing it. I, know I mean, it, right. they can do it that day. And and th- that's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of satisfaction in hearing from people that said, you know, I went back and the day after your talk with us or the day after I read this in your book, we we put it into practice. And that's I don't know. I just that that, that jazzes me. I yeah. really enjoy that process. Yeah, and it's true. And the more that uh, entrepreneur I've become, and I've surrounded myself with other entrepreneurs, I get what you're saying. You're absolutely right. And it's it's almost like um, when I go back to the corporate, it gives me a fresh set of eyes. It looks like exactly. It's like, yeah. So I love working with entrepreneurs too. You know, you've always struck me as a guy that, and you write a lot about stuff about how we take. Um, especially working in corporations, I'm sure you talk about this a lot, about how do you simplify um, the complex? And the bigger the organization, it seems like we're just mired in bureaucracy of layered processes, of churn, of all those type of things. Is is simplification kind of one of your passions? It really is. And I tell you, it it, it has become one uh, over the last couple of years in particular for this reason. I've seen it be so effective. I've seen it have such a positive impact, both on companies and also just on people personally. You know, one of the fun things that that I do is I will ask the people in an audience that I'm speaking to, I'll say, how many of you have had this thought in the last month or or even more likely in the last day or two? And the, the thought is this, you know. I think I'm making this way more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> right, and Richard, right. every hand yeah, in the yeah. room goes up, yeah. it, mine included. Yep. I mean, I, I also do it. The, and so I've, I've really started paying a lot of attention to how effective leaders and just top performers and, and people that are creating value and that are happy with their lives, they have an ability and they focus on this idea of, let me simplify this. Let me simplify the way I'm thinking about my business, about my schedule, about everything. Because as Steve Jobs was the one that said, it takes a lot of work to get your thinking clean enough to make things simple, but it's worth all the work because if you can make things simple, you can move mountains. And just about everybody can relate to that idea. Yeah, because sim- simple isn't necessarily easy. It takes a lot well, of hard. intentionality and work, right? It really does. Complicated is easy. Yeah, right. Honestly, it really is. It's <laughs> yeah, easy it's to make true. stuff complicated. It's really hard. And I love what Job said. I love that phrase he used. He says, it's a lot of hard work to get your thinking clean, clean yeah, enough. Yeah, I like Just to, that. to clean it up and, and uh, get, sweep all the cobwebs and the complications out and simplify it. I, I like to tell people to think in terms of what are the three things that you have to do every day and get right. And if you get those three things right every day, you will be successful and you will sustain that success mm. and build on it. Yeah. 
So what, where do we start? I mean, because sometimes we can just look in even our own personal lives. We look at it and we're like, oh, my gosh, this seems so overwhelming. Where do you start? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think from, from a business perspective, I think where you start uh, or what I recommend and what seems to work for a lot of people is to start with their customers and say, okay, what's most important to them? If I were to pick three things that, that my customers or the people that I would like to be my customers, three things that would be most important to them, what are they? Let me give you a classic example. I work with a company there, a client of mine, and it's a, a freight company. It's a trucking company. Well, that a company like that has got, you're an ops guy. Think about a freight business. There's a, there's, that's a jigsaw puzzle with right, exactly. a million moving parts. And listen to this. They've boiled it down to this, Richard. Number one. Pick it up when you said you would. Number two, deliver it when you said you would. Number three, deliver it intact and all there. And so they've taken this very complicated business and said, wait a minute, it's three things. And if we get those three things right all the time, and if we're better than our competition at those three things, then we are gold. And so what one of the things I love to do is help people think about and and put them on the path to getting clarity on what their three things are. Because if you can do that, I mean, it, it takes a, a huge weight off your shoulders in terms of getting getting clarity and getting focused on what matters most. Yeah, I love that. You know, I'm curious. I'm kind of going back to the original question, how you got passionate about leadership. I'm curious about when you were a young man or even a boy, what were the dreams then? Do you remember? You know, it's funny, uh, given your, your military background, when I was little, like a lot of kids, particularly a lot of little boys, particularly back when I was growing up, I played Army all the time. I had Army men. I grew up on a farm, so I'd go out by myself in the woods, and, you know, I'm, I'm crouching down in the, in the brush and pretending like I'm out on a battlefield. I would sit with the encyclopedia and go through the sections on the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, my dream was to go to West Point wow. and be an officer in, in the United States Army. Now, I ended up going a very different path, although something kind of interesting, back in the 80s, for five years, my biggest client was the United States Army. Really? Yes, I worked with RO, newly appointed uh, ROTC uh, well, officers, they were usually lieutenant colonels, and their new assignment was to head up an ROTC detachment on a college campus. And at the time, the philosophy was, this is, this is how we recruit good officers. And so I did a one-week-long marketing course for Army officers, and that was quite an experience. I learned infinitely more than, than, the, than the, the guys and gals in my, in my courses did. I, I loved it. You know, it's probably, it's kind of funny hearing that story, you know, even all that prep time of playing Army and reading that encyclopedia kind of prepped you for that role in a sense. I don't know if you looked at it that way. Well, you know, it's funny it did. And, and what it did was it, way deep down inside me, there was this uh, kind of a comfort level in being right. around those right. folks, even though, oh my gosh, Richard, they were, to this day, <laughs> they were the toughest audience audiences I've ever worked with. And you you know that. Yeah. I mean, very direct, very straightforward. Yeah. Res respectful, uh, almost always in a very respectful way. But man, they didn't sugarcoat 
anything. And that was, and I was, I was pretty young back then when I did this. That was good training for me and a great experience for me. It, it toughened me up and it made me, it made me better at what I did. That's awesome. You know, it's funny that you said that it's a tough audience. I've been out of the Marine Corps since 2001, um, active duty. Then I was in the, um, Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve part-time 10 years after that. But I hadn't been around kind of the infantry meat eater side of the Mm-hmm. officer corps for a long time and i presented it in san francisco in april and uh man i kind of forgot what that was like and a whole <laughs> different crowd even though i come from that kind of tribe that is my yeah. tribe but uh man it was yeah I, I get what you're saying i can imagine for someone who's never been in it and, and seeing what it was like yeah had to be a whole yeah. different experience okay so then you 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 kind of went down this path of of um what was it then when did you realize you you were doing what you were meant to do you know, it, it all, it was, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't have a yeah, plan. Right. I didn't know that this kind of work existed. I didn't know that there were people that made a living going around right. giving speeches to business conventions. And, and I mean, I knew that there were authors of business books. i tell you something that really flipped a switch in me, speaking of business books, was I think the, the first widely popular business book was... Um, Tom Peters, and now I'm just blanked on the name of the book. Um, shoot, the first Tom Peters book, it'll come to me before the conversation ends. But it was, uh, I read that book, and there were a lot of case stories and a lot of stories. And I thought, wow, this is incredibly useful to take ideas that, that's not theory, they have worked uh, for in, in this company and that company, and then spread those ideas to uh other other people in other kinds of businesses. And so it really caught my imagination that I could get a great idea from a hospital and take it to a bank and yeah. say, you guys ought to do the same thing this hospital is doing. You just change the context of it. Yeah. And so that to me is, you know, that kind of adaptive innovation, uh, that kind of creative thinking. Uh, it's not just interesting. It, it, Interesting is fine, but I, I'm most interested in things that truly work and truly help people improve their performance and be better at what they do and be happier at what they do. I think In Search of Excellence, I think, is what you're talking about. There you go. Yeah, in Search yeah. of Excellence, mm-hmm. of course. The, the granddaddy of them all. So how would you classify your leadership style then? My personal leadership style is it's very collaborative. I love collaboration. Uh, I'm infinitely more collaborative than I am top down. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like, and I'll tell you how my leadership style has affected my speaking. Over the last few years, even when I'm hired to do the keynote speech at a convention, it's very interactive. I right. get the audience involved. I get them talking to me. I, we, we start swapping ideas, uh, them with each other, and, and then I will expand or bring my perspective to what they put on the table. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm still far and away doing most of the talking, but I love, uh, and and I've started saying to people, I, I don't really enjoy speeches all that much, but man, I love conversations. Yeah. And, and my leadership style uh, is very collaborative, and my communication style is very conversational and very inclusive because I'm a, I'm a great believer in, although the leader, I, I think a leader has to provide direction, all of us is smarter than any one of us. Right. 
And has that evolved over the years? I mean, I, I always ask um, people who are farther along in their leadership journey. I mean, how has it kind of transformed, say, when you were in your early 20s to where you are now? When I was in my early 20s, <clears throat> I thought that for me to be credible, uh, I had to either be the expert yeah. or, do, or, or do a really good job of pretending like I was right. the expert. And now, decades later, I'm much more comfortable. Actually, I'm totally comfortable, whether it's in a conversation with a client or a prospect or if it's during a presentation. I'm totally comfortable with saying, whoa, wait a second. You just said something, and I'm not familiar with that. Or what does that mean? Or explain that to me. I've never heard that concept before. In, instead of pre- pretending like I know yeah. everything. Uh, and so it's just it, – it's funny. I think the older I've gotten, the more effective I've become in part – because I understand I don't have to pretend like I know everything because yeah. nobody does. In that, I know it makes so perfect sense, but we see that time, at least I have. I've seen it time and time again where the higher we get up the chain, we think we have to have all the answers. And it's so – there's something empowering or something – well, it certainly builds trust, I think, when we see the human factor of a, of a leader standing up there confidently saying, look, I don't know the answer to that, or I don't know how we're going to get through this. I just know we're going to get through it because we got the right people, but, you know, or even saying, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit scared here and I don't know, but I know we're going to get through it. There's, there's something that emanates confidence and trust in that. And it's just, um, it's that vulnerability piece, I guess. I think it is. And, and interestingly enough, it can be a, a terrific credibility builder. Uh, to to confidently say I don't know. <laughs> right, exactly. It takes a tremendous amount of confidence to do that. It really does. Well, I guess you've written six books. Your sixth one, um, "Magnetic: The Art of Attracting Business." But just some of the other titles. I mean, "Work Like You're Showing Off," "Indispensable," "Never by Chance," "Becoming Category One," "Be the Best at What Matters Most." Now we've got "Magnetic: The Art of Attracting Business." Talk to me about that. What's the genesis behind that book? The genesis behind Magnetic was that – I'll tell you a big part of it, what it was, the, it was. It was the advent of the internet and what's happening to businesses because of the internet. What's happening now is that instead of advertising being the sole or even the main driver of business – more and more and more when you talk to people, and I ask groups this all the time, I'll say, how many of you in the last week, when you've been thinking about buying a book, uh, where you're going to go on vacation, what hotel you're going to stay in, what kind of car you want to trade for next, uh, whatever purchase decision you're considering, how many of you have gone on the internet to see what everybody else thinks about it? to see what the people who have been there and done that have to say about it. And it's become such a huge factor that to create, to intentionally and strategically work so that you are creating positive word of mouth about your business. And this applies, Richard, to any business. And it's not just about the Internet. It still applies to -to face-to-face. But if you can have your customers driving new customers to you 
through positive word of mouth and the stories they tell about what it's like to do business with you, that's when you get to be truly magnetic. And so this book is a look at all the ins and outs of how to make that happen and how successful companies do that and, uh, and, and build their businesses with that. And it's uh, what I love about the ideas in it is that they're equally applicable to a bank with 2,000 employees or to a one- or two-person purely entrepreneurial business run out of somebody's den. Uh, they, are, they are incredibly accessible ideas. You know, it makes perfect sense. I think in, intuitively, I think we know that as entrepreneurs and business owners. But I got to tell you, I spent a tremendous amount or I have spent a tremendous amount of time learning all I can about the latest internet marketing techniques or how to, you know, building in a list and all these other things. And I got to tell you, the most, almost all of my business is through referral. Almost yeah. all of it. And that's happening more and more and more. It's starting to happen in business that didn't used to be referral. But, but it's because the customer has much, much more power than the customer has ever had before. Right. Uh, it's funny. I saw an ad. It was it was kind of about this very topic, and it said people used to buy the chutney because it came in a beautiful jar. Now they buy it because it's great chutney. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, I totally get what they mean when they say that, because now all you got to do is go on the internet and see what people think about it. Is it good or is it not good? Yeah. There's nowhere to there's nowhere to hide, and people are kind of. You know, that's why authenticity is such a great currency. It's kind of a shame we yeah. got to even say that these days. But, I mean, it really is one of the primary currencies you need in leadership in life. And it's the same with trying to sell your services. And there's nowhere to hide, and people are going to know. You know, if you don't have any testimonials, you don't have anybody giving you a referral, it's harder to build that trust. Well, and people will ask me, I had somebody ask me just this week, said, what is the, the key component in your marketing? And I said, to do really, really, really good work for my clients. Right. The best and thing and you can do. it caught them, uh, you know, by surprise. But I said, I'm not saying that to be clever or glib. I'm dead serious. When I do good work, that is by far the best marketing that I can ever do. Because people go out and tell others about that good work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I know it just makes perfect sense, but I'm sitting here just thinking while you're talking, I'm just going over my head over the last four years, all of the funnels and capturing. And I'm not saying those are bad and they're not effective. And they, no, no, they they're help. not bad. And, it, they're, and, it's, and that's part of the mix, too. Right. I would never advise people to no, no. stop all your advertising or, or don't, you know, drop your, your online marketing at all. What I am saying, though, is that nothing is as powerful as right. positive word of mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Nothing comes close. It's getting that clarity and alignment around that truth, you know, that's really there. And I think if we put most of our efforts on that, you're going to get the most bang for the buck. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And what it means, it comes back to the experience that you create for your customers and the value that you create for your customers. So we're, we're back to, you know, square one, which is – which is quality and service and uh, and a great experience. All those things that we know is important, but it, it's getting clarity on how extraordinarily important it is. Yeah. In in the if you're going to grow your business, I like it. You know, through all the years that you've seen, is there one leadership characteristic or trait that you see leaders do that just still boggles your mind or, or frustrates you or 
surprises you? You mean in a, in a, in a sense of something that doesn't work? Yeah. That you see something happen that is happening over and over again. You're one of the, maybe one of the biggest, um, yeah. Pitfalls you it, see it, leaders making still. Yes. I, there is one that, that comes to mind uh, that I see unfortunately too often. And it's, it's a lack of clarity, a lack of clarity about direction, a lack of clarity about culture, a lack of clarity about, you know, mission, vision, mm-hmm. all of those things. So, b- because there's such a, a night and day difference between a company in any endeavor of any size where everybody gets it, right. what's, what's important here, how we are expected to treat each other and, and those outside the company, as opposed to a company where there's no intention around that, where it all kind of happens by accident. And if you ask everybody what's important here, it's going to vary from department, not only from yep. department mm-hmm. to department, but from in person to person. You're going to get a different answer. Oh, man, you're speaking... I love exactly what you're saying. It gives me goosebumps because you're right. Because I think that the biggest thing, especially high-level leaders should probably be focusing on, is maniacally, and I don't use that word lightly, maniacally communicating the intent of yes. what we're trying to do. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's funny. In Becoming a Category 1, which was my first book, uh, I interviewed the CEO of, of – well, it was the C- Joe Scarlett, who was at the time oh, yeah. the CEO, CEO of Tractor Supply. Yeah, I had him on the show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Joe, a great guy. And I asked Joe in, in the book, I said, Joe, you guys in this company get such great buy-in all the way across this huge organization. How do you do it? And he kind of laughed. He said, you know, I wish I had a complicated answer for you. But the fact is, there's a handful of things that we know are important. And we talk about that stuff all the time. All the time. I know. And I, that see, that gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. because it's so simple. But it's so powerful, and I see that thread run through great leaders and effective companies. They know what's important, and they all talk about it all the time. Yeah, I don't think you can over-communicate it. I mean, I say that all the time. I think I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you can ever risk over-communicating the intent of why I you're agree. doing what you're doing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, and, and it's, and I think too that the more that you focus on that, I mean, what does it do? I mean, especially if you're, especially as a high level leader, you're focused on intent and then you start bringing in people, you know, how to get it done and, and, and giving them the, the accountability gets spread throughout the, and ownership gets spread throughout the organization. And, mm-hmm. then, and then it just starts to cascade and the employee engagement well, goes up and everything else. And then the customer's happy, everything. And there's goes, a CEO here in Nashville. I've written about her in my, in my last book, Be the Best Women Marriage Most, Julie May of, of the company called Bites of Knowledge. Mm-hmm. And Julie is, is the CEO of her company, is really intentional about accountability. Mm-hmm. And, and the more the, they take that on as a culture and the way we do things, she said the great joy as in her position as leader is to watch them start to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Not not in a negative gotcha way, yeah. but in a really empowering uh, and yet l- l- holding each other accountable yep. way. And it's a, a, a morale goes up, effectiveness goes up, performance improves. It's a cool thing to see happen. And it starts with, you're right, and it starts with that big purpose, the why, the intent. Yeah, it really and, does. And the more that we 
think it's less about intent and we insert ourselves lower and lower. We more, we dispense the efforts of those who probably should be doing the work and, you know, just, and we introduce churn, we introduce friction and all, all these things. You know, I read one time a definition of leadership. I would love to credit whoever said this. I simply don't know. But they said that the, a manager, a manager's job is to make the organization function as it is designed to function. A leader's job is to remind everybody of who we are. Isn't that cool? It is cool. It's just, I love that. The leader constantly reminds everybody, remember who we are. Yep. Remember what we're about. Remember what's important here. And what it can look like. This yeah, no kidding. Going. This is what it can be, you know? Yeah. Oh, it sounds easy, but it's hard. Man, is it it's hard. It's really hard. It's so hard. But, you know, the yeah. other thing, too, in entrepreneurs, I'm curious, too, that same kind of concept. And I've taken, the, I've taken that concept and had conversations with small startup entrepreneurs and sometimes the response I get is, yeah, that's nice, but, you know, I don't see myself as a leader. I'm an entrepreneur. It's I, Over the past two years, I've had a couple conversations, actually more than that, about a half a dozen conversations with various entrepreneurs who kind of didn't see themselves as leaders. Has that been your case, too? After I talk to them, they see that, oh, yeah, maybe I am a leader, you know. But um, I think they looked at it, their definition of leadership was a little different than what, what I was sharing with them. Have you had the what? same experience? Yeah, I have had the same experience. And, and you know, one way that I get people to think about it is to talk to them about culture. And they say, well, you know, once I start getting employees, if I do get to that point, then I'll think about culture. And I'll go, whoa, 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 mm -hmm. wait a minute. You're a business of one person. You've got a culture. Yeah. Trust me. You've got a culture every bit as much as General Motors has a culture. And so it's worth taking the time to step back and say, well, what are the, the values here? And I don't mean that in a moralistic way. I mean in a, giving myself direction because it's – here's the thing. It's, the, the, the reaction to it a lot of times is, you know, that's the soft stuff and that's all well and good and it's nice, but I've got a business to run. Right. And I say, but wait a minute. If you don't get the culture right – your business isn't going to work. Right. Or, or it's certainly not going to work at the potential that it could. And so to get clarity on that is incredibly empowering for the bottom line of your business. Yeah. Linda Rotenberg on uh, Crazy as a Compliment. Are you familiar with her, Linda Rotenberg? She she has a, yes. that book, Crazy as a Compliment, is great. She's been yes. on the show. It's one of my favorite books that kind of broaches that topic of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs becoming leader, realizing that to become leaders. And she has a great story how that hit her in the face. And she talked about that, about, you know, the culture and how important that it was. Um, uh, yeah, it just reminded me of her. Just another plug for Linda's stuff. She's, she's great. What, uh, what, well, let me ask you this. Whose shoulders are you standing on? When you look back, whose shoulders do you see yourself standing on? You know what? I'm standing on the shoulders of Wayne Dyer. I'm standing on uh, who, whose first big, massive, best-selling, best-selling self-help book uh, was your erroneous zones. <laughs> right. I, I listened to a cassette tape live two-hour program that he did, and it just – I thought, gosh, th this guy is tapping into things – that can change my life. And then from that, as I mentioned earlier, people like uh, Tom Peters, who whose entire purpose 
was to help people think in ways that could make them more productive, more successful. Uh, and, and the list goes on and on from there. It, you know, present day, I'm so fortunate, and I know you're in the same same position, Richard. A lot of my very closest best friends uh, are people that are incredibly inspiring, yeah, and and great teachers. And it's it's really really uh, satisfying and valuable to me that a lot of my colleagues are people that I admire, not just personally, but professionally. And so I've, I've put myself in the position of being surrounded by role models. And that's a pretty darn good place to be. You know, I was just talking to somebody about this at lunch yesterday, another entrepreneur here in town that been kind of a mentor and a friend, become friends. And, uh, we were talking about that and, um, you know, the, my, I, I can't think of anything more that's probably drastically changed my life than surrounding myself with better leaders. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's so simple of a concept. You know, I think a lot of times we don't do it because we think, well, what do I have to offer? You know, and um, that is just such a scarce or limiting way to look at it. And the moment that you get over that fear and reach out, you'd be surprised how many people will want to sit down and talk with you, you know? And uh, I know they, they really do. Uh, it, people are, are, generally speaking, my experience has been people are so generous yeah, me too. in sharing their experience. And, you know, I consider myself a, a really good student uh, and, and an eternal student. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, the, the stuff I learned <clears throat> is just never ending. And as far as people thinking that they're not enough, I think we fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm supposed to be this and my answer yeah. or that. And my answer is, here's what you're supposed to be. You are supposed to be 100% you. I mean, and I don't mean that in a motivational cliche way. I really believe that with all my heart. Somebody asked me uh, two days ago, said, what do you, what, What's your advice? They say, I give a lot. It was a commissioner for a, a state government, and he said, I give a lot of speeches. What's your single best piece of advice? I said, don't ever give a speech. I said, talk to people. Yeah. Don't, don't get in your head and flip a switch about giving a speech. Just talk to people and, and be 100% you. Don't think about what you're supposed to sound like. You're supposed to sound like you, mm, and, right. and that's it. And if you do that... People will sense that, they'll appreciate it, they'll gravitate towards it. And so all you got to be is you. It works every time. Yeah, it's, it's and just to, I love what you said there. And to piggyback on that is just be insatiably curious about them, you know? Okay. And, yes, absolutely. And you'll just be amazed at how the relationship will blossom. I've found that anyway. And, I, and I'm coming from a space of, of, no, no one would want to talk to me about that or, I gotta, I gotta be at this level before they want to talk to me, and that's just a bunch of BS, you know. It is. <laughs> it really is. They'll talk to you yeah. more often than not. Having that humble, teachable spirit, what that's what I heard. You said that eternal kind of student. Yeah, um, I think that's key for every leader. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the show too. But oh, great stuff. If you had a one, as we're wrapping up here, mm -hmm. one night where you could have the ultimate dinner party. It's kind of on the same heels of of the. Um, who, what shoulders are you standing on, but in a different flavor, who would you invite and why? In Live or Dead? 
one just fabulous night of conversation. With one person? Five. Five? Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, I'm going to, this is a pure brainstorm. Uh, I'm going to, the, the one that I, that I know for sure without thinking is Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, great choice. Uh, uh, just the most extraordinary leader that I could ever imagine. Uh, the second one that, that comes to mind would be Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And n- not that I think he would be uh, a, a barrel of monkeys as far as being fun, because he was a really, really tough customer. But I'm fascinated by, well, just by the way he thought mm-hmm. and, and by what he created. Another would would be Marilyn Monroe, because I think she was the ultimate cultural icon. I've read enough about her. Uh, You know, we we all know about the glamour side of her. She was smart. She was smart and a very serious artist Mm -hmm. as far as being an actress. Um, I think another, uh, and this is such a cliche, but... He fascinates me, and that would be President Obama. Um, I, I, every time I watch him, he was on 60 Minutes just the other night. And whether I agree or disagree with what he's saying from a policy standpoint, I am fascinated by, uh, one, by his ability to communicate. And, and it, most everybody agrees he's a great communicator, even if you totally disagree with, with everything he's saying. And let me see. I think I think a fifth one might be. If I if I oh I know who it would be. It would be a uh, Pat Head Summit, the uh, the former coach of the University of Tennessee women's oh, yeah. basketball team. Yes, yes. Um, Great choice. She's just my gosh, and she was was and is. One tough customer. Yeah, she's got. She's yeah, tough she's and she's smart. And at the same time, her players were devoted to her. You yeah. know, as a matter Very of fact, loyal. if I could split the ticket, I would have her and and John Wooden, <laughs> the yeah. former UCLA basketball coach. But you know, uh, I, I love effective coaches. You know, if I were going to start making a list of them, my gosh, it's endless. You know, there are people like Nick Saban that. I would love to sit and listen to him yeah. for for an hour. But anyway, this I, I love the idea of Marilyn Monroe sitting next to Abraham Lincoln. Though. Wouldn't That's that be something? <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at this list. You know, a lot of people have said Abraham Lincoln, Steve Jobs. You're the second person that says Marilyn Monroe. I can't remember really? who the first one. Yeah, but that's a good. That's a unique, good choice. And I, you're right. She's lots. Of course, you know, you see the image and you think she's playing the ditzy blonde, but she's very. She was very smart. Yeah, she was smart gal. Yeah. The Obama thing, yeah, take all the politics policy aside, it, I'm interested because I think as good as a communicator as he is, I think he has – I still think he has some insecurities there. I think that's I, – I, he doesn't like – you know what I mean? He seems like – maybe it's just me, but he seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. And that's why I would want to talk to him and see what's really behind that kind of – um. He he does. He bristles. He bristles. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. But you know what? He bristles, but he's he kind of also comes back for more. He bristles, but he'll say, I'll go as deep on this as you want to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he's willing to wrestle 
uh, he listen. He's a he's a he's a college professor. Yeah, he's got a very very professorial style, and and like him or not like him, uh, I think he's a fascinating, very interesting uh, figure. You know, I could say the same about Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I could say the same about uh, John Kennedy. There there are so many. Uh, I could say the same. My gosh, about Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Holy moly, she'd be. We're going to have to have more dinner parties. My list. I know is your list is getting big here. So yeah, <laughs> that's a great list. Great choice. Well, guys, you know your books. They're fascinating. Um, I'll have links to your website. How can people get in touch with you and find more about you? Yeah, everything is on the website. As a matter of fact, my personal email uh, is on the website, and they can email me from the contact. And the website is just my name, which is Joe Calloway, spelled C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y dot com. I've got a, a pretty fun blog on there because it's not just me. Every two weeks, I do a, I'm do one of five people that write a blog called The Five Friends. And it's, uh, well, some people that I'm sure you know or are familiar with, Mark Sanborn, Larry Wingett, uh, uh, Scott McCain, Randy Pennington, and I. And we take on all sorts of stuff from what's our favorite restaurant to politics to a lot of stuff about business. And we have some interesting blogs, and some of them are each of us doing one minute on video. Uh, and then sometimes they're written, but yeah, just joecalloway.com. There's information about the books, the blog. Oh, go to the videos page, go yeah. all the way to the bottom and you can download free 21 short videos that I made and they're yours. You can download them. Just, yeah. I think all you have to do is put in your email address. Yep. Uh, and then you, the videos are yours. Yeah. Great stuff. I mean, I've been, I've, I love your stuff. I love your style. I've never seen you in person. I, I can't wait to at someday, but, uh, great videos. I love your style. I love the way you communicate. Yeah. Mark's great. Mark's been on the show t a couple of times. And he, when I had a radio show here in town, he came on that too. He's, and he's helped me behind the scenes. I don't think he'll be embarrassed that I say this on the show, but, uh, of all the guys that have come on the show, he, he has been there and quick little three minute phone calls, Mark, what should I do? Yeah. And he's just a solid, solid guy. Here's, here's the deal. Mark Sanborn runs deep. He, he's as good a person and as good a friend. Uh, he, he's a good one to have on this planet. Cause he just yeah. flat makes it, he makes it better. He's a good guy. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you're a good guy too, Joe. And, uh, I can just sense it from this conversation. Great conversation. Great to meet you. I look forward to Thank staying you. in touch with you, and I'll have links to all this stuff. And I highly encourage all my listeners to to check out check out your website. And uh, if you're ever in town or, or they need you to come speak, please bring him in because he's a top notch stuff. So, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.